Dear listeners, I have a confession to make. I used to think that I was a murderer. You may be wondering how I got into writing, how I got into storytelling. Ever since I could read, I was writing. It's a very boring story. I think all kids do this. They daydream and play and imagine effortlessly. Their stories are grand and unbridled and comfortably illogical. Storytelling through crayons and paint and blocks and dolls and toy cars and costumes. I ended up writing my ideas down, so it's not a very exciting story. The interesting thing is why I stopped writing. For me, writing is a very uncomplicated, easy thing, but it's also very vulnerable. It's putting subconscious to thoughts, thoughts to words, words to paper, paper to voice. Words have power. But in thinking, writing, and saying, and then publishing these words, I hope to give power back to myself. I stopped writing for myself when I realized that words have power. I was a freshman in high school. At that point, I'd been writing for years, sharing my stories on the playground or on blogs or in class or in the back of the bleachers during PE. I loved words. I loved stories. I loved writing. I used to write about real people, about people I knew and athletes, celebrities, you know, when you make little stories about your friends meeting someone cool in a mall, and then you create a little soap opera about them. I was the main character, living a life where my novel was being optioned, and I was working with someone like Spielberg to make it into a movie. But I was also friends with certain celebrities in this story, and I ended up introducing them to my real-life friends. I had two competing love interests, too. I would publish the story online for my friends to read. They enjoyed it. They understood that it was pure fiction. At the close of my freshman year, a senior said to me, and this is the only thing I remember about her, she said, I don't write about real people. It seems like a violation of them. I brushed it off. I kept writing. That friend fiction turned into an entire novel that summer. I published it online. It was dramatic, ridiculous, naive, unrefined. I got glowing reviews. I wrote the code for the website myself, commissioned artists to create art that I could stick on the website. I made friends fall in love. I gave them children. I killed off enemies. I felt so powerful, happy, talented. I read just as much as I wrote. I gained healthier habits. I was in a happy mental state. I sat out in the sun. I ate wholesome food. When I went back to school as a sophomore, I had lost around 30 pounds. It was like my transformation was just as physical as it was mental and spiritual. I'm not trying to dwell on health or body image, but the writing was a way to escape certain types of pain. My chronic migraines, the bizarre muscle spasms, the ridiculous sinus issues. They were still there, just less intense. When summer turned to fall and we all went back to school, I kept writing, kept getting reviews, kept studying, reading... So I started on a sequel to what I'd written that summer. I was at a loss about how to end the story. One of those two fictional love interests turned into an enemy within the story, and it felt like a natural conclusion to kill him off. So I did. But I was at a loss as to how to wrap up my own story. I played around with several endings. But the two that were the most appealing and dramatic were to kill myself off or to end it with fireworks with my fictional husband holding my hand. I was leaning towards the former, but I was having trouble writing my obituary.
Two months before the close of my sophomore year and a week after I turned 15, he died. The person I'd killed off within my story, he died. My actual classmate died in a way that was similar to how I'd storyboarded his death. I published the last chapter, ending it in fireworks, because I was convinced that I'd killed my classmate, that I was a murderer, and I, selfishly, did not want to foreshadow my own premature death. Because my senior classmate had said to me, I don't write about real people. It seems like a violation of them. I felt guilty. I stopped writing and sharing my work with other people. I still wrote things. Diaries, outlines, thoughts, small stories, classwork, fan fiction. But I never ever shared my own stories with my own plots. From 2007 until 2019, I stopped writing. 12 years. I stopped writing for myself for 12 years. Even my diary seemed to be letters to people that I would never send. Like I wrote it for a purpose that wasn't for me. My ability to daydream and play and imagine effortlessly, it started to falter. Isn't that the signaling of adulthood? It's not really about responsibilities. It's about the confinement of reality, accepting that the bounds of reality are something that we have to work within. Daydreaming and playing aren't usually integrated into the version of adulthood that is modeled to us when we're young. On the whole, I really don't think I have to do anything. I was raised to question and then sometimes completely reject norms, so this... This inability to dream and write for self-satisfaction shook me. Dear listeners, I know, I know I didn't kill this person on purpose for real. But after he died, every single dream I had had him in it. He was never angry, he was never sad, he never addressed me. He was just looking off into the distance, his hair flowing in the wind. And he was never the focus. It was like he was just there. I had dreams where I was on a busy seaside carnival. He would be there, leaning on the railing of the docks, looking out onto the ocean. He was just another face in the crowd. But I knew it was him. He and I were never close, but I did admire him. Enough to center parts of my high school life around glimpsing him in the halls or being in the same after-school clubs as him. Enough to pour my heart into a 500-page novel where he was one of my two love interests. He was a quiet person with a deep voice and kind eyes. He died in the spring of my second year of high school, but it was during my final semester of college. It was then that I let go of the possibility that maybe I'd killed him in some sort of sick, paranormal way. I was able to let go when he finally turned around to look at me in a dream. I stood at the entryway of the architecture building at this bridge-like intersection, and he was there, leaning on the railing again, but he was smiling at me, and he mouthed words I couldn't hear, but I knew what he was saying. He pointed in a direction. What he was pointing at wasn't as important as what it meant. You see, I had applied to over eight different graduate schools in different cities across the United States and Europe. I had no clue for the second time in my life, what step I was supposed to take next. The compass was spinning. But now, the compass was pointing straight and true. I had to go to this specific place. He smiled at me. My breath caught in my throat as he lowered his hand. I reached out for him, my hands caught on his forest green sweater. 
He told me that I was strong, that I was learning fast. He nodded in the direction again, like, Go on, get out of here. The dream world crumbled. I woke up. I woke up warm and relaxed. I cried at this weird, fevered sweetness, and I never dreamt of him again. It took me slightly longer to get to the destination he told me to go to, but when I did, I knew I had arrived. If I had gotten there any earlier, I would have missed it. I would have missed the next person. This dream specter, this dream phantom. I'm glad he waited until then to disappear from me. If I had gotten to the next destination in my life's waters any sooner or later, I would have missed it. The person who shared a name with my dream ghost, the person who I sometimes write letters to. I met a person who held a magnet to my compass. Sometimes you need to get fucked with in order to create resilience. Sometimes you need to get taken to a dark, oxygenless place in order to recalibrate and redirect. Also, please remember, I said I started writing for real again in 2019. That's got its own story with its own trail marker. If my classmate who died was a trail marker for the reason I stopped writing, then the reason I started writing again is also a story worth telling. My classmate who died was a trail marker that led me to the next point, to the magnet. The magnet, him? (laughs) I met a person who fucked me over in the worst possible way, and I am grateful for it. I'm not sure how to explain the nature of a magnet in the terms of my own compass. Just know that the magnet makes you question where you're going, who you are, and where you've been. It's always good to have people around you who give you a new perspective of the world, who challenge you in ways that help you to grow. There are other types of people that constantly play devil's advocate, but not for creating debate or just being an asshole who derails arguments. They do it for the reason that they want to test the strength of your life's raison d'etre. They want to test the strength of your life's thesis. When you have a compass leading you in a direction... These types of people create doubt. They create situations that make you believe that maybe your reason for being isn't enough, that you aren't enough of a person, or that your life goals aren't worthy. I may have thought I was a murderer for a time, but I've never ever cracked someone's soul. Because these types of people, the ones who play devil's advocate with your soul, they do nothing but foster mistrust, disrespect, and destruction of one's own self. It is my belief that the compass guided me to this person in order to force me to fortify my defenses, because if I am charting a path beyond the horizon, I can't go without some protection. July 30th, 2015, time unknown. I have to consider the possibility that you were just around to fuck with me. I have to consider the possibility that you never wanted me or liked me. I have to consider that maybe I never knew you and all like outward glimpses of someone who doesn't exist. Or of someone you could never be, just just made empty promises, said empty words. But it happened. That's why this hurts, because it happened and it was real. I'm very unsure now. September 5th, 2015. Time unknown. I haven't written in a while. My mind is scattered, kind of running nonstop. February 20th, 2012. Late afternoon. 
Action has always been a difficulty of mine. My greatest obstacle in getting what I want in life has always been myself. What drives us to action? What internally keeps us from it? Is our greatest obstacle in life ourselves? I am never without direction. I always know where I am. But I've shown myself I'm lost in certain places of my world and that there's unknown territory. I've got faces. Faces for different groups of people and situations. I wonder when or if I'll ever just show one face. I need to just keep going. I can't erase the past, but I can carve my future. I am a river with untold depths flowing surely. The flow may be swift and winding or ambling and slow, but I have momentum. I take different shapes, I adapt. I find the smoothest course and take it. If there is no path, I make it. I am a river.